look, my kids are on summer vacation, so I have a hard enough time knowing what day it is. doesn't help that the Dodgers and Angels played almost the same exact game on Wednesday that they played on Tuesday. Did they end in a 2 nothing score? Yes, it did. Did the Angels have a player thrown out at the plate on a bang-bang play? Yes, they did. Did a future Hall of Famer pitch in the game? Yes, he did. Did the Dodgers win both games? Yes, they did. And that's what we're talking about today on Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My normal co-host is Vince Semperio, although it's just me today. Vince and I are everydayers here with you. You can be an everydayer too by listening every day. We're also both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. We've spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. And uh, the Dodgers beat the Angels to sweep this little two-game series. Again, the score is 2 nothing. I mentioned in the teaser, Hall of Famer on the mound both games. This gun, obviously, Tuesday's game is Clayton Kershaw. This one, I'm talking about Shohei Otani. You may have thought I was talking about Ryan Brazier. Uh, looked like a future Hall of Famer to me. Uh, but the Dodgers went with the bull, uh, bullpen game here. And uh, it was not the plan. As we talked on yesterday's episode, Dave Roberts said after Tuesday night's game that Michael Grove would be pitching uh, in uh, starting Wednesday's game. And then Wednesday morning or late morning, we got word that it was going to be Bruce Dark Gratterall as an opener and then uh, then Grove being the bulk guy. And then eventually it morphed into this is a bullpen game and Grove is available for multiple innings. And in the end, Michael Grove did not pitch in this game. Uh, instead, what, six or seven different relievers pitched for the Dodgers. Uh, and it was about as much as you could have hoped for. It was remarkable. It, it wasn't perfect. They did allow two hits both to Luis Renjifo, but overall the Dodgers, uh, the bullpen shut it down. They shut out the angels. And like I said, only two hits to Renjifo, uh, a couple walks, but huge outs when they really needed them. Uh, Bruce Dargrader went two innings, uh, got some strikeouts. He had three strikeouts in his two innings. And as we talked about a lot, that's heat key for Gratterall, he, he's great at weak contact, but he needs to miss more bats to be effective. He did that. Uh, got some chase on the high fastball. Don't know if that's an Angels thing or if that's something that maybe he can leverage. Maybe, uh, you know, it, it, it feels like it's not something that he goes for very often. And so maybe that, you know, something to watch anyway going forward. Is that something that he starts trying to work into his repertoire a little more? A, you know, a fastball up out of the zone, trying to get some chase. Uh, he also got a strikeout on his slider. Looked really good. Uh, you know, he, he's got good stuff. You ought to be able to get more strikeouts. Victor Gonzalez pitched well. Uh, who else pitched in this game? You, uh, I think next was 
I can't remember what order they went. I know Alex Vesia came in somewhere between Gonzalez and Vesia, I think, and I can't remember which one it was. Um, but then Ryan Brazier pitched and Caleb Ferguson pitched and Evan Phillips pitched and everybody was great. Uh, Dave Roberts said that it was like overnight. He kind of, he, he had mentioned to Michael Grove the night before, we're not totally sure how we're going to use you. And basically by Wednesday morning, he decided want to go with the bullpen game. And he let Phil Nevin know that they were doing, doing a bullpen game. And I love this call. Obviously the Dodgers bullpen has been the weak spot, the weak spot for this team, especially the last month or so. They have been really, really bad, but Michael Grove has also been really bad. And the difference is, you know, a bullpen game, you, you can never expect a shutout because the problem with bullpen games, one of the problems, uh, the immediate problem with bullpen games is you're counting on six or seven or eight guys to all be on tonight. Uh, if one of them has a bad night, that can cost you the game. Uh, I think the thinking was that they had a better chance of six or seven bullpen guys being on than uh, than Michael Grove being on. And you know, it's hard to argue with that logic. The way Grove has pitched, he's got good stuff. And uh, you know, it also uh, Robert said after the game, it sets up Grove to be able to pick up innings. You know, Emmett Sheehan is pitching on Friday against the Astros. You know, if if they need, uh, you know, if Sheehan, I, I know he went six innings last last time he pitched. Uh, obviously, some people thought he should have gone nine. Um, but, you know, there's a chance in his second career start that he only goes four innings. And having Michael Grove available to go three innings if he needs to on Friday is big. And the fact is, with Shohei Otani on the mound for the Angels, I think Dave Roberts knew runs were going to be at a premium. Uh, and you can't. I, I feel like throwing Michael Grove out there would have been conceding the game uh, because the Dodgers scored two runs and they won the game. And I don't think Robert said, oh, we'll definitely win this game if we throw a bullpen game. But I think he accurately assessed that the chances of winning were better with a bullpen game. And with having just had a day off on Monday, only Ferguson and, and Phillips used on Tuesday and neither of them were used very heavily. And then another day off today on Thursday, it, the timing could not have been better for a bullpen game because now everybody will be rested. Even Gratterall, who went two innings, will probably be available on Friday. Uh, you know, uh, maybe Gratterall's not available. Everybody else should be available. Nobody was really worked very hard. And so the timing was perfect for a bullpen game, and the bullpen picked a great time to have their best game of the season. And the fact is, you... The, the pitchers deserve the credit, just like the pitchers deserve the blame when they struggle. The pitchers de deserve the credit. Dave Roberts did a good job of making the right decision to go with the bullpen game, deploying them in the right spots. I thought it was really gutsy and awesome to have Alex Vesia pitch to Mike Trout. Uh, and, you know, the and Roberts said after the game, Trout, despite being a right-handed hitter, has had his struggles against lefties. And they liked Vesia there. And I think that you know, it was a combination of looking at the stats, looking at Trout's struggles against lefties, looking at Vesia's stuff, knowing Vesia's high fastball is a strength of his, and that's a weakness of Trout's. Everything about it, like it, it, it was like a baseball man move. Like, oh yeah, let's let's challenge him. But it was also statistical, and that's where Roberts is at his best when he's. I mean, Roberts is a ten-year baseball veteran as a player. He's been a coach for fifteen years now, or whatever. He knows baseball. He's a baseball guy. 
but where he's at his best is when he uses that baseball knowledge and combines it with the analytic approach that the Dodgers are very good at. And so for me, the, the most of the bad decisions or questionable decisions that Roberts has made over the years, for me, it's when he goes with his gut and set it with the stats. There is no statistical reason to have Clayton Kershaw pitch the eighth inning of game five of the 2019 NLDS. That was a, a gut move. That was the wrong move. You know, things like that. Uh, when Roberts, you know, lets the analytics inform his baseball wisdom, uh, it, it's a great combination. And this was a great example of Roberts pushing all the right buttons, pulling all the right levers, pushing and pulling all the right button, buttons and levers. So much pushing and pulling of buttons and levers in this game. And every single move worked. It's not always going to happen, but good moves uh, usually work more often than they don't. Uh, I'm going to come back in a minute and talk about this bullpen a little bit because after the game, there was a lot of talk on the post-game show about Evan Phillips and his role in the bullpen. So I will come back and talk about that. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And please keep it Locked On Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Look, whatever shorts you're wearing right now, are you wearing shorts right now? Okay, are they bird dogs? No. Let me ask you, did the company that made your shorts invent an entire new, entirely new kind of fabric like that's called cloud knit? Uh, just that's what bird dogs did. They invented fabric. They are fabric inventors. They invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. So the, the, what that means is that Bird dog shorts make you look good. They make your legs look good. They make your butt look good. You look good in bird dog shorts. And that's because they are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh. They give you a sculpted look. They do exactly the same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. You feel like you're wearing gym shorts. You look like you're wearing dress shorts. It is perfect. It's anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I've told you guys, my son loves his bird dogs and they look great. He wore them to my daughter's graduation with the polo shirt and he looked like he was dressed up and he felt so comfortable. So what you got to do, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, I am back. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we'd love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comment section. We've been getting a lot of great comments on YouTube uh, the last week or two. Uh, keep that up. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, love to hear from you through social media or email or whatever. Always love hearing from our listeners. If you're not an everydayer, look, it's a really fun club to be a part of. All you got to do is watch or listen every day. Uh, or if you want to be a double everydayer, a thing that I invented, uh, just watch and listen every day. You know, can't go wrong there. You got 24 hours a day. What else are you going to do? Um, and, uh, oh, if you want to, the Dodgers are off today. But when they are playing, if you can't catch the game on TV, you can always catch the local radio broadcast, the hometown broadcast on Sirius XM or the SXM app. Just launch the SXM app and search for Dodgers. You can also listen to this podcast on the SXM app by searching for Locked on Dodgers. So uh, moving on, let's talk about uh, the bullpen. I mentioned the bullpen had a great game. Uh, everybody who pitched did great. Uh, some greater than others, but nobody had what could even remotely be considered a bad game. 
which is how you throw a combined shutout. Uh, everybody has to be on. Everybody was on. That includes Evan Phillips, who came in and faced Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and Brandon Drury in the ninth inning. He got uh, Shohei to fly out. Trout struck out. Drury flied out. One, two, three inning. Caleb Ferguson had pitched the eighth inning just like he did the day before. And uh, so that's two straight games that Ferguson or that Phillips came in with a 2 nothing lead to p- pitch the bottom of the ninth against the Angels. In those two games, he faced six batters, retired six batters, looked great, et cetera, et cetera. Evan Phillips is what we expect him to be at this point. Uh, and after the game, that led to uh, the, the, the Jerry Hairston Jr. and Nomar Garcia-Para on the postgame show talking about whether Evan Phillips should be the Dodgers' designated closer at this point. You know, the Dodgers have been closer by committee, and Phillips has been their high leverage guy, where sometimes he pitches the ninth, but other times he pitches other innings. Uh, basically the highest leverage spot, that is Evan Phillips. And what we've seen, you know, we saw it on Tuesday night that it was Caleb Ferguson facing Otani and Trout in the eighth inning. And we talked about how that made sense for, for a few reasons uh, other than just, you know, uh, like it, it seemed like a spot where they might have gone to Phillips, um, but it did make sense why they went to to Ferguson other than just, well, f- for uh, Phillips is our ninth inning guy. Um, and but then doing that the same thing again today when it was Otani and Trout in the ninth inning, um, you know, you could have understood doing Phillips in the eighth and Ferguson in the ninth so that Ferguson could face the same guys he got out yesterday. Of course, also, it's probably a bad idea to let the same pitcher face Shohei Otani two games in a row. Um, you know, too much information, especially because Otani battled Ferguson on Tuesday night. And so, you know, you, you don't really want to let Otani face Ferguson again. A lot of reasons didn't necessarily mean Phillips is the closer. Uh, but but Harrison and Nomar, basically they're saying uh, it's an argument that I have a hard time with. And I'm trying to be open-minded to it because Nomar Garcia Parra and Jerry Harrison combined to play, you know, thousands more major league games than I did. Uh, and, and I recognize that. Um, but I, I'm also pretty smart, you know, um, and Dave Roberts played a lot of games too, and he's pretty smart and he, and, you know, Mark Pryor played a lot of games, uh, and and they've decided that to do the closure by committee so far. And so I'm trying to see both sides of the argument and their argument, it it always comes back to the the part of the argument that I have our time with is it always comes down to, uh, well, the ninth inning, it's just, it's high leverage by default. It's, it's a different animal, you know, you gotta, gotta have, different type of person to pitch the ninth inning. And my issue with that argument is two kinds of people usually make that argument. Guys who were hitters and guys who were starting pitchers. John Smoltz, Jerry Harrison, Nomar Garcia-Para. None of those guys ever pitched. I mean, John Smoltz was a closer at one point. Uh, And and actually, there's a third type of people that Smoltz also fits, is successful closers who it's in their best interest. Like, uh, uh, what was that dude? He he pitched for the, oh, he was the Angels, Houston Street. I remember Houston Street getting all, you know, uh, indignant about the Angels trying to do a closure by committee and having him pitch high leverage innings. And he was saying, well, it's a, the ninth inning is a different animal and you got to be different. I've got to have the right mindset, blah, 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 blah. And so it's self-serving for a closer to say it. And a starting pitcher and a hitter don't really know. And so I, I get that it's conventional wisdom. I get that a lot of people say it. I just have never seen any evidence that it's true. And I'm not saying it's not true. 
I'm saying if it's true, there ought to be evidence that it's true other than people saying it. And the fact is, Evan Phillips, with the Dodgers the last two years, has an ERA well under two in his high leverage role. It, not as the dedicated closer. He's gotten his share of saves. He has nine saves now this year. He had two last year. Uh, he's gotten saves, but he has never been the Dodgers closer and he has been awesome. And so for me, and last year he actually had the uh, second highest average leverage of any Dodgers reliever. Now the highest was Craig Kimbrell, which tells you there is high leverage in the ninth inning sometimes. Uh, and for me, I love the idea of Evan Phillips pitching the ninth inning when it's a two nothing game and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are coming up because you throw your best against their best. And if that's the case, do it. But for me, if, if this game had been, if, if Ferguson had, you know, pitched the, the seventh. And so, you know, if I guess I'll rewind because after the game, a reporter asked Dave Roberts, if Ferguson or if Phillips, those names, they both start with the flu sound and it's throwing me off. If Phillips, a reporter asked Roberts if Phillips is the closer now. And Roberts kind of started to say yes, but then by the end, his answer was actually, yeah, I think you're going to see Phillips and Ferguson in those spots, in those late inning spots, uh, which still seems to say that he's going to basically play the matchups in those late innings. And I love that idea because you say if, if Ferguson had pitched the seventh inning in this game and it was Otani and Trout and Drury in the eighth inning, and then it was the five, six, seven hitters in the, in the ninth inning, I absolutely want Evan Phillips pitching the eighth inning in that scenario. I don't want a lesser pitcher facing the heart of the order just because it's not the ninth inning. Now, I even if we buy the premise that the ninth inning is harder by default, is it that much harder that you'd rather have, like, does it offset the difference between the two, three, four hitters and the five, six, seven hitters? My guess and my strong belief is no. And so I want Evan Phillips to pitch the most important innings of every game that he's available, basically, because he is the Dodgers' best reliever. So the most important relief innings, any game that Evan Phillips is available, I want him pitching those. And I think, for the most part, I'm okay if they say he's never pitching before the seventh. You know, I, I did love, and I, I talked on this show a week or two ago about how I loved when they brought Phillips in. I think it was even the fifth inning, uh, but it was a it was a close game, and there were two runners on and only one out or something. And it was a big moment in the game. It was a, a big hitter up. I can't remember the specifics now. Um, but I, I, I liked that, that they went to Phillips there because the game was on the line. It was either the fifth or the sixth inning. And the game was on the line at that moment. And there was no guarantee that you were going to get a higher leverage moment. And so I'm still okay with situations like that if they go to Phillips that early. But but I'm okay if they say, you know what, seventh, eighth, or ninth, the highest leverage inning goes to Evan Phillips. Because you know if your relievers do their job, uh, you're not going to face, you know that that's one time through the lineup. Uh, I'm even okay if they say eighth or ninth, you know, cause seventh inning, there's a decent chance. Those guys are going to come up. You know, if you're facing trout and Otani in the seventh inning, there's a decent chance they're going to come up again in the ninth. Um, just because guys get on base and all, all that. 
so I'm even fine if they say eighth or ninth. I don't want them locking Phillips in to the ninth inning because sometimes the eighth inning is when the game's on the line. And when the game's on the line, I want Evan Phillips in the game. And so I think with that approach, Phillips would get a lot of saves, get more saves than anybody else. Because, yeah, sometimes there's not an obvious, okay, this inning is harder than that inning. They're all major league hitters. And so, you know, sometimes there won't be an obvious difference. Sometimes it will line up that the hardest inning is the ninth inning as far as who's coming up. Uh, But when it doesn't, I want Evan Phillips in the game when the game's on the line and when the, when the toughest hitters are up. And if you want to call him the closer, a closer who sometimes pitches the eighth inning, sometimes pitches the seventh inning, fine. Uh, I don't, I don't understand the obsession with naming a closer. And what, what Harrison and Nomar were saying was that that, you know, if you know Phillips has the ninth, then it lets everybody else settle into other roles. And so I kind of like what Dave Roberts said after the end where it's like, okay, the eighth and the ninth are Ferguson and Phillips in some order. I'm okay with that because it still lets other guys settle into their roles, still leaves flexibility for Phillips to pitch whichever inning is more important. I would love if a third guy could step up and be as dependable. And it's funny that Ferguson is that guy right now because Ferguson two weeks ago was awful. Um, But, you know, he's looked really good. And if he could be that guy, I would love it. And I'd love to have a third guy so that they could say, okay, these are our three guys. You remember the 2015 Royals? They had... Kelvin Herrera and Greg Holland and Wade Davis, I think. Um, I have no idea if I got that right. Anyway, they had three relievers who, if you could get your starter through six innings or get through six innings with the lead, you were going to win. And I would love if they could get that third guy and and then play the matchups with those three. And it does let everybody else settle, settle into other roles. Uh, but for me, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Uh, I if there's evidence that the ninth inning is harder that you've seen, I'd love to see it. Um, I, I feel like it's just an old a baseball version of an old wives tale. So, uh, all right, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about the Dodgers starting shortstop on Wednesday night, who was Mookie Betts. And uh, if we ought to do that more often. So thank you again for making locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning and please keep it locked on Dodgers. Hey, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. I also want to remind you, uh, you can catch every Dodger game on the radio, uh, the hometown Dodgers radio broadcast on Sirius XM or the SXM app. Just launch the SXM app and search for Dodgers. You can also listen to this podcast on the SXM app by searching for Locked On Dodgers. And uh, with that said, I want to talk about the shortstop position. Mookie Betts played shortstop again on Wednesday, played it well. Had a a great play, uh, not a spectacular play, but a great play in the eighth inning. Ferguson had walked uh, whoever it was, and then he got a ground ball from Hunter Renfro and uh, walked Michael Stefanik. Uh, I always think of Jack Steffen. You remember the old Jack Steffen commercials uh, when we were when I was a kid growing up in Southern California? It was he was like a plumber uh, or plumbing and heating problems. Call your man Jack Stefanski, and then the guy would say Steffen. Jack Stefan. Call your man Jack Stefanino. Anyway, uh, so it was Jack Stefanino that Ferguson walked. Hunter Renfro hits a ground ball. The Mookie Betts is right. Did a great job of getting in front of it rather than backhanding it. So he was in perfect position to throw a, a dart to Miguel Vargas, who did a great turn throughout, got the double play. Renfro was out by a step and a half. 
solid play by Mookie. And it just reminded me, Mookie is such a great athlete. He is he is a, a good shortstop. I don't know that he would win a gold glove at shortstop, but he is a good shortstop. And offensively, he's a big step up for Miguel Rojas. And I love the idea of Rojas being a utility infielder, a backup guy. And so, you know, when the trade deadline does come, there may not be, like we've talked, I don't think Tim Anderson is an upgrade for the Dodgers. I don't know if Willie Adamas is going to be available. And I don't know that he would be enough of an upgrade to be worth what he would cost unless they were doing a package deal and getting Corbin Burns and Devin Williams too or something. Um, But, you know, but it might be easier to find an outfielder. And and they've got, you know, Jason Hayward and and, uh, David Peralta and James Outman, and they have a lot of outfielders who could fill in in right field if Mookie was playing shortstop pretty often. And I kind of love that idea. And we've talked about it in the past, but I kind of love the idea of Mookie being the Dodgers' primary shortstop uh, because then it's easier to fill a hole in the outfield and it gets Miguel Rojas's bat out of the lineup every day and more of a utility guy. Uh, and I wasn't like, I, ho- I hoped that Mookie could hold down shortstop. Uh, and when they first started playing around with the idea, I mean, you remember I mentioned it on this show a week before they ever put Mookie at shortstop because there had been two games in the span of a couple of days where they pinch hit for guys in the ninth inning in a manner that if they had come back and tied or taken the lead, that Mookie Betts would have had to play shortstop. Uh, and so we talked about that possibility a week before it even happened. Uh, and at the time, like I was hoping that Mookie could be a good shortstop. I believed he could be because he's very athletic. He's an infielder by, by, uh, in his history. He loves the infield. So I assumed he could do it. And now we've seen he can do it. He is a good shortstop. And so like right field, he's a great right fielder. Um, but shortstop's a more valuable position and a, a shortstop who can hit like Mookie Betts can hit. There aren't many, many of those in baseball. And so for me, I want Mookie Betts playing shortstop most of the time now. And whether that means, you know, it might mean that they have to occasionally let Jason Hayward actually bat against a left-handed pitcher, which they haven't done very often at all this year. Uh, But they've also, you know, they've got Chris Taylor. They've got uh, Johnny DeLuca. They've got James Outman. You know, they've got different guys who play against lefties. And so, you know, I think they could do it and I'd like to see it. And, and sure Rojas still plays some shortstop every once in a while when, and you put Mookie in the outfield or you put Mookie at second base or whatever, but I think I'm ready for Mookie to be the Dodgers main shortstop. What do you guys think? Like, am I crazy? Uh, for me, like I said, Mookie's offense is more valuable at first base or at shortstop than it is in right field. Uh, definitely not at first base. Don't make Mookie the first baseman. You heard it here first. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on YouTube, in the comments section, through social media or email or whatever. Tell me what you think. In fact, uh, tell us what you think and also shoot us over your questions because, as you know, the Dodgers don't play today. They start a three-game series with the Astros tomorrow night in L.A. And an off day today means that uh, tomorrow's episode will be a mailbag episode. So we'd love to hear your questions. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If we get enough thoughts about Mookie as the starting shortstop and also Evan Phillips and the closer, all that, We'll read some of your comments, even if it's not questions. Love to hear your comments uh, if you have any. So that's going to do it for me for today. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Uh, I want to remind you, you can catch every Dodgers 
uh, game on the home radio broadcast on Sirius XM or the SXM app simply by searching for Dodgers. You can also listen to this show on the SXM app by searching for Locked on Dodgers. You can also catch this show wherever you get podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince since 91. I'm on Twitter at Snydog and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.